Welcome to the Institute Journal Podcast, where we explore Institute professional development. This is a podcast series where we discuss published articles with authors and provide a forum for the open exchange of ideas, information, and solutions. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Brandon Cox, Senior Editor of the Institute Journal. With us is Chaga Zapata, the Managing Editor and Sergeant First Class of Valdo Iquite, the NCIC of the Institute Journal. Today we discuss the article, Drill Sergeant Misconduct, Analyzing and Tackling a Critical Recruitment Issue by author, Command Sergeant Major Robert M. Theus. We also welcome special guest, Command Sergeant Major Ricky Jackson, the Commandant for the U.S. Army Drill Sergeant Academy. Thank you for joining us. Before we kick things off, Command Sergeant Major Theus, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, first, I want to uh, say thank you for inviting me to the podcast, uh, and I'd also like to thank uh, Sergeant Major Jackson for joining us uh, for this. I think it's going to be critical insight. Um to the conversation. So I'm a Sergeant Major Theus. I'm currently the uh, Senior Enlisted Advisor for uh, 2nd of the 305th Field Artillery out of uh, Camp Shelby, uh, Mississippi. Um, I've been in the Army for uh, 21 years, uh, and I'm passionate about this this particular topic uh, because I was a, a Senior Drill Sergeant myself and also um, a First Sergeant for a basic training battery out of uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Thank you. And uh, Sergeant Major Jackson, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Command Sergeant Major Jackson, I am the 32nd Commandant of the United States Army Drill Sergeant Academy. Uh, by trade, joined the Army, I'm 13 Bravo by trade. I've been in the Army now about 28, uh, coming up on 28 years. Um, been all over the place as a 13 Bravo, started at Fort Hood, been to Europe, of course, been a drill sergeant. Um, here at Fort Jackson from 2005 to 2007. Um, it's kind of full circle coming back here as the commandant um, after 20, you know, seven years of service now to absolutely train our drill sergeants for our army. Um, so pretty excited of being here now about 11 months in position and have definitely uh, come in with culture change uh, for how we train our drill sergeants. I just want to say we really appreciate having both of you here, especially to talk about this topic. Sergeant Major Theus, what was the initial inspiration that you had to write this article? Uh, so, like I said, I, I thought it was, uh, you know, w- well, one, it's a, um, a passionate topic for me, you know, just having served in that environment and observed, uh, like someone mentioned earlier, the the uh the, the the good and the bad that can happen while you're you're serving in that type of environment but then also because i think um often you know peer leadership uh, especially amongst drill sergeants is, is definitely sometimes the hardest form of leadership uh, and it can be difficult to confront a peer in that environment if you if you notice something unethical taking place my initial question is what is considered drill sergeant misconduct? Can you delve a little bit into that, Sergeant Major Theus? So mainly my article deals with trainee abuse, which is is probably the, is the most common type of drill sergeant misconduct. And, and trainee abuse is any improper or unlawful physical, verbal, or sexual act uh, a trainee commits against, a trainer that commits against a trainee. And then I also, in my article, talk about dereliction of duty a little bit, um, which is another form of misconduct. Uh, and that's where I highlight the uh, the incident that happened in, in Fort Jackson, where uh, a drill sergeant 
was found guilty of dereliction of duty and uh, because you know they they fell asleep behind the wheel and, and ran over some trainees during a training event uh, back in 2017. So those are the, the main ones that I highlight in my article, uh, but I'm sure Sergeant Major Jackson, uh, being the current commandant, has a lot more insight on current trends, maybe. Absolutely. Um, so when we talk about misconduct, um, uh, TRADOC lists misconduct um, as what we've seen in the past, or most recent, of course, is blackmail, vulgar language, physical abuse, inappropriate relationships, um, are some of your top ones that we we're facing currently some that are on the rise of course we see DUIs and we're starting to see uh, an uptick of child pornography and things like that all of that together is misconduct you know and affects your drill sergeant's career yeah when I read this article um, the, f- the first thought that came across my mind is just this is just misconduct. Like this happens everywhere, not just with Jules Arms. But I think from from reading it, I got the seriousness about it that <clears throat> we need to address this because Jules Arms have such a big impact on soldiers and uh, with the American people. Um, so my right. initial thought about this was um, so then what are what are the specific challenges that Jules Arms face and why? Misconduct would be more prevalent there than it would be in other parts of the army, and I think if if that would be my question. So I guess what are the challenges that put drill sergeants on these, on this road, or or maybe the conditions that set, uh, that it maybe allow or maybe gives the conditions to where this misconduct happens. I'll start off with you know we talk about the environment, and in my article, um, I write about destructive leadership and, and the conditions that need to exist for that to occur. Um, and I talk about, I highlight the, the toxic triangle, uh, and that consists of uh, susceptible followers and a conducive environment at the bottom, and at the top is your destructive leader. And if you have all three pieces of that triangle in place, it allows for uh, unethical behavior to happen by the destructive leader. And in basic training environments, often where drill sergeants are pulled multiple different, day, d- different ways across the, the duty day or the training event, it can lead to that conducive environment where there's minimal oversight by strong senior leadership. And then this susceptible followers, you know, our, our drill sergeants are working every day with our trainees uh, and, and trainees are new to the army. They're new to the culture. They're new to the climate and they really rely on the drill sergeants uh, to be their, their moral and ethical compass, if you will. So that can lead to them being susceptible. Of course, if, if that drill sergeant is a destructive leader and, and in the past they've had checks and balances in place that have not allowed them to um or operate in an ethic unethical manner uh this type of environment it, it really is conducive to that possibly being able to happen absolutely sergeant major jackson do you have something to add to that yes appreciate that sergeant major Diaz. so i don't have stats sitting in front of me from trade up right now to distinguish between ait or BCT. So I want to make sure I put that out here uh, first, Um, because the story I'm going to tell is going to kind of paint a picture probably more towards a BCT drill sergeant. So let's talk some facts. Drill sergeants are up early, right? Somewhere between 04, 05, getting into the job. Doors open somewhere around 05, right? So new drill sergeant on the trail, let's say we give that drill sergeant about six months to try to acclimate to being a drill sergeant. So up early, 0405, on platform all day, 
training soldiers. And most times drill sergeants are trying to get out of there sometime between 2,000 doors lock at 2,100 for, for a hit count. So let's say we run the goal from 05 to 2,100 for about, you know, somewhere between six months. You go, you're leaving when it's dark, you're coming home when it's dark. Family's in bed when you leave, family's in bed when you come home, right? So that's a dynamic. So that's a family thing. And I, and I got it. I'm focusing this on maybe a married couple of this with this story. So not seeing the drill sergeant, not having the connectivity at the house over six months to do drill sergeant. And over time, this drill sergeant is constantly doing this battle rhythm. And at some point in time, and by all means, we're, 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 we're a little short drill sergeants. Each company, each, each, uh, each platoon should have, you want four drill sergeants for each platoon. Most of the time, you got two. At best, maybe three. So that's already a trainee-to-leader ratio that you're, you're facing out there. That's a dynamic, right? So you're putting all this together. You're doing more with less. You got more hours on platform. Then at some point in time, drill sergeant, the human body will start to talk to you and say, you may be facing some exhaustion because now you're starting to feel it. You're driving into work saying, I feel weird, right? Because I've reached a point of somewhat exhaustion, but I know I got to go in here and I got to perform, right? So that's a pressure that's on a drill song. So then let's say, okay, there's a there's pressure to perform. There, there's a lack of sleep, lack of rest, not enough folks on there to, to share the burden, right? And then... What you find now in the house is wobbly. Now drill sergeant's got complications at the house. Now drill sergeant now is in what we consider this vulnerable space of what we say uh, lapse in judgment. And we find drill sergeants every time when you start doing the investigations and you start digging, these drill sergeants are making decisions in these weird spaces and you find out, you start unpacking, these drill sergeants are packing in so many hours. Now, this does not make what I'm saying right. What I'm saying, there is a dynamic of man hours, woman hours, on platform, having to perform, sleep, uh, you know, rest cycle, family dynamic. All these variables in life, a lot of times, you know, finds a drill sergeant in a bad spot. And make bad decisions because they're not in their best, I would say, they're not their best them a lot of times. And then the other side of the coin, anything, when you start unpacking, there's always somebody that knew when you unpack the investigation. So I tell drill sergeants, you got to have the battle buddy system because you're with battle buddies every day. Somebody's got to be able to intervene and say, hey, you are not yourself. Hey, I think I've seen something weird. Hey, I'm telling you, I'm warning you, right? You don't get a second warning, right? There's got to be the bystanders, which is the battle buddies that's got to help because they're together all day. And I don't think we do a good job, folks online here, with the battle buddy system, the drill sergeant system, the cadre system of covering each other in these spaces when we see people that aren't doing well. That kind of uh, leads me to the, one of the questions that I that I came up with here is uh... – Identifying signs that may lead soldiers to or, or uh, drill sergeants to to making poor decisions because it's one thing to to talk about it here in the comfort of our of our offices or our, or our podcast room, 
Uh, but it's another when you're there and you're dealing with the grind, just like Sergeant Major Jackson just went through uh, the difficulties, the challenges that you guys are facing. What can they do if they start seeing uh, a drill sergeant do who sees those signs of, uh, to, to coin your words here, Sergeant Major Theus, is uh, the ethical fading? Because that, that's what I think. I think hap- things happen. I think it's a gradual thing. You know, you do it once, you do something once, you, you just kind of, one of my quotes here was, uh, hey, it's no big deal, it's only happening once, or uh, nobody's ever going to know, or it's just a small thing, it slips through. Those kind of stack up, and they keep, maybe they happen because you do it once, it's easier to do it again. Somebody who sees this happening, what, what are their options? What can they do? So I, I think first, I think it's important for drill sergeants to understand um, what some of the those concepts, theories, or frameworks that I talked about in this article are. So like ethical fading, group think, um, destructive leadership, having a basic understanding of what what those terms mean um, and what some of the indicators are that that's happening inside their organization. Because then that allows them to, instead of in hindsight identifying the problem, being able to be proactive and noticing some of the warnings or indicators as it's about to happen or as it's starting to happen, especially with ethical fading, because we know that that starts with small things and then it, you know, it it builds over time as people become more comfortable with, you know, um, not enforcing the standard on certain things in, until you get to a point where you, you have, um, you know, some type of serious accident or um, misconduct in your unit. But so first understanding those, I think is important. And then second is having that strong ethical climate in your organization that allows individuals to come forward uh, free of uh, retribution or retaliation to report possible allegations of misconduct. Um, I think that's critical. And that, that's kind of why I go back to, you know, peer leadership's the hardest because a lot of the times, you know, it's going to be staff sergeant observing another staff sergeant, drill sergeant, do these these behaviors or a sergeant first class observer, sergeant first class or a staff sergeant observe a sergeant first class to um, doing something unethical. And it takes a lot of courage, strong moral character to to come forward and raise those allegations higher. But it all starts with the, you know, the senior leadership in that organization. If if they're not strong ethical leaders, the, the chances are that's that drill sergeant is not going to be willing to come forward and voice those concerns because they're going to be afraid of what repercussions they may face. Yeah, my two points, uh, teammates, is, you know, I always try to think basic, right? Um, I remember I have the, used to have this saying, hey, the best first art has be- the best systems, right? And I think the COEs that are out there that have good onboarding systems, right? I think once that drill sergeant graduates from here, you report to Fort Benning, Fort Leonardwood, uh, how you onboard your Drill sergeants on that installation is critical. I would tell you, Fort Benning has a phenomenal onboarding system that they go through a, uh, a couple of weeks of ethics training. They they meet with the commanding general, the pulsar major. They go through so many checks before they even get down to the unit to get on platform. So I think that's the first thing. How do we onboard our leaders into our organizations? Then. The second piece where I think we're challenged with this when we're talking about having folks stand up, right? I think the transition from being a new drill sergeant in an organization and then meeting the drill sergeant that's been there a year going on two years is a challenge, 
because that drill sergeant that's there year, two year, yep, they're stuck in some ways, right? And they're like, hey, this is how we do business down here. And I will tell you what I've been teaching here for the past years, dignity and respect, and how we, we need to be better instructors to coach, teach, and mentor through that lens of dignity and respect. The feedback from the field when I travel to the COEs are the challenge inside those company troops batteries are the drill sergeants that have been there for a while that say, well, ah, yeah, that's great, but this is how we do business. So we got to change that culture in the organization too, to where, you know, those older drill sergeants down there need to be receptive to change, that their way isn't always the right way. So those are my two points uh, on those on that topic. And I, I completely agree with, with Sergeant Major Jackson. I think uh, at least from what I observed when I was a drill sergeant and, and a first sergeant in that environment was, uh, you know, drill sergeants were probably most at risk to get in trouble either at the beginning of their trail time or about halfway through. And I think Sergeant Major Jackson hit it right on the head that how we onboard through, you know, that brigade's drill sergeant certification and then their recertification at their one year mark on the trail is, is critical to uh, mitigating some of those those risk factors. Sorry, Major Theos, when you when you mentioned having a basic understanding of ethical training, and then Sorry, Major Jackson, you saying that there, uh, this uh, ethical training and onboarding happens at the different centers of excellences or or wherever the drill sergeant ends up going to after they graduate school. That's kind of what I'm seeing here as as a really way, good way forward. Is this these new drill sergeants getting to a unit with this basic understanding of ethical fading and groupthink and the dangers in that, and they get to a new unit and they can assess. They they'll they'll assess right. They'll see the things that are different that are because they're a new person looking from the outside in. Um, so I'm wondering, is there a feedback me- mechanism for new drill sergeants to kind of provide feedback to somebody, maybe not in that in a direct leadership? But maybe somebody that has oversight as far as, hey, you know what, I, I noticed groupthink mentality at this uh, unit that I just showed up to. Because that's, that's what's it's going to take courage for those people to do that. But is there some way for new drill sergeants to give feedback about the things that they're observing um, when they get to a new unit? So I'll answer the, the, the big overarching answer is no. There's no army mechanism in place through like training development that sends out a survey to get some data back from the field. No. But what we've done in the past year, which is uh, has closed that gap, has been our campaign plan, which is our roadshow. I've always believed you can't vote behind the desk. You got to vote with your feet. Right. So we've been to every COE um, for BCT and AIT. Um, I'll head out next week to the last one, which is Fort Rucker. That'll be my last trip uh, for the COEs, and then we'll we'll start double tapping. But so the campaign plan, voting with our feet, getting out the COEs, getting to ground as one way. And then the other way is all the DSOEs that are out there at those installations are our eyes on ground. The DSOEs provide a lot of feedback to us at the academy and through CIMT to get feedback on how drill sergeants are performing at, at location. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I guess I, this is a good point to, to talk about the solutions and maybe, maybe sorry, major Jackson, I'll, I'll, I'll ask this question, question to you. Like, um, cause you've already mentioned some of those things that you all are already doing. 
which yeah. sounds awesome. Um, but is there is there something else that we haven't that we haven't talked about that your the school the schoolhouse is doing uh, to prepare drill sergeants um, to kind of cut this off before it it ever starts? Yeah. So um, so, so let's let me back up a little bit. So uh, a year ago, when I interviewed for this job with Major General Klein, uh, CIMT commander. Um, I remember going into the interview and General Klein, his energy was about making connections with people. So he's a people person, which is great to be the commander of, uh, you know, of IET, uh, you know, of all initial military training. And in my mind, I was like, that's great. That fits what I do here when, where I was at 1st Infantry Division, which we were truly people first kind of division where we was a test bed to see. How do we truly get after people first? And that's not about taking days off, but it's about forming a program that truly gets after wellness, which has different buckets to it. You've got physical, mental, spiritual, we can go, you know, all the buckets there. And then to get the best out of your people, right? That should already be just leadership. We all know that, but there's other creative and innovative ways you got to get after the formation today. So tying that together and him hiring me, I knew coming into this organization that I needed to convince drill sergeant leaders on platform that they were not drill sergeants anymore. Can you believe that? So right away, changing the mentality of people inside the organization was a culture shock and culture change. I said, I need executive level instructors here that can coach, teach, and mentor your peer because that's the approach I need you to come with. So that was also, you know, it was a hard pill to swallow for the first 90 days, but they transitioned to that. And in that, you got to come with a little bit, uh, you know, with dignity and respect. And I would tell you, our team, our philosophy is through the team acronym, right? The T is treat others with dignity and respect. The E is in, is engaged leadership, and I got I, I, I parentheses in that. This is uh, getting to the weeds, right? You got to get down to the problem and know your individual soldiers, right? And then, of course, the uh, A is always learning development. We believe here that if you are no longer striving for the next thing through education, through schooling, then you are complacent. So we believe in continuing to strive for excellence in the A. And then the M is mindfully communicate. We believe closed mouths don't get fed. You got to communicate your problems, whether that's personal, professional, what have you, because most leaders in the army are probably batting a thousand when they know there's a problem, they can solve it, right? So our team philosophy is very important for our change too. And then I'll read one last thing and then I'll kind of, I'll, I'll close kind of uh, where I think we are. So our vision statement, and uh, it says to be the world's premier institution who sharpens non-commissioned officers to be passionate and masters of task through the people first approach, producing lethal and agile drill sergeants capable of developing tomorrow's elite warrior. Now, this vision statement is our contract. I shake every drill sergeant leader's hand in this academy through this contract, through this vision statement. It's on every wall. It's in every classroom. It is what we believe. So we had to have a direction the day I walked in here. And that vision statement gives us a direction. Our philosophy gives us the intent of what we need to do and how we need to operate. And then 
with all of that team, it was about changing our mentality and our focus from 1970 of shark attack for Vietnam to, hey, we got to look at the operating environment in 2023. Two different environments. I need leaders. The leaders here have college education. They're tech savvy. So are our soldiers. I need leaders that can think innovatively and, and can think creatively to get to a to to look at a problem set and get to the end state of it successfully. And to be able to do that, you got to change your approach. So we totally change our approach here. There's no yelling. There's no cussing. There's none of this out of control behavior for my executive level instructors, drill sergeant leaders. We are a more professional outfit in how we deliver our POI lesson plans. And the last thing, and I'll be quiet, we wanted to help with building a connection with the individual. And I think we have a problem in our society now because of the tech stuff that we have that we don't do eyeball, eyeball very well anymore, which is the person to person, face to face. People are very uncomfortable in that space, which probably also leads to some of the problems that we've seen in our formations with drill sergeants, not being able to effectively communicate. So what we've done with CAPEL, CAPEL came here and embedded for a couple of weeks and certified all my instructors with lesson plans and effective communication. So our drill sergeants now go through a series of lesson plans that help them get more comfortable talking to people. So I've kind of given you a whole lot in a little bit of time, but we are in the right direction of molding drill sergeants to be able to better effectively communicate with their soldiers down in AIT and, and, uh, and, and BCT. Uh, Sergeant Major Thais, you talk, you talk a little bit about solutions in your article, and I wanted to get on those. And so maybe you can uh, offer up a couple of things you talk about in your article, and then we'll move to Sergeant Major Jackson to see if, uh, if he has anything to say about that. Really, what I what I talk about for solutions is more like recommendations for further research and, and study that could lead to, to possible solutions uh, that can be implemented into the drill sergeant program. And I kind of cover three areas, and that's leadership selection, leadership training, and then ethical leadership. So right off the bat, I talk about leadership selection, and I said it's it's probably important to take a look at the Army's new efforts in identifying counterproductive leaders. Uh, through their assessment programs, so like the SMAP and, and the, the BCAP programs, and as, as we those programs are more into, institutionalized into the uh, to the Army, and more data is collected on how well they are identifying and removing counterproductive leaders from positions, um, command positions. I think there's there's a possible s- solution that's offered to the drill sergeant program when it comes to senior leadership and even you know drill sergeants themselves. Uh, some program that might be able to be modeled after like an S map or something like that, obviously on a much larger scale, if we're, if we're talking about drill sergeants and the number of people, but I think it's worthwhile taking a look at that and see how effective that program is in, in reducing unethical counterproductive leadership uh, and how it might be applied to the drill sergeant program. And then I talk about leadership training and, and here, the big thing I really just cover is, is we need to take a, a hard look. Well, the army needs to take a hard look at, um, other high stress, high tempo professions uh, out there um, in the, you know, other professions 
and and how they go and tackle training uh, using real world scenarios and assessments and instructions that are designed to to one test a leader's decision making, but also go their ethical decision making abilities. Um, and I think more research that can come out of that might drive some some changes in the program that that will result in you know more scenario based assessments uh, that really test a drill sergeant's ability to make ethical decisions and then you know it also identify those individuals that aren't really fit to be drill sergeants. And the last thing I talk about is is ethical leadership. Um, and this is more about the you know the senior leadership that's. And when I say senior leadership, we're talking about the company commander, the, the first sergeant, uh, and maybe up to the battalion level, de depending. But we talk about ethical leadership and and doing a deeper dive into previous cases of drill sergeant misconduct with a real focus on what was the ethical climate in that organization uh, and focus on the senior leadership to identify, you know, whether strong ethical leadership or weak ethical leadership was present and why. And then the last part is uh, ethical leadership in, in doing a, a deeper dive into previous cases of drill sergeant misconduct with a, with a focus on the ethical climate at the senior level in those organizations and whether it contributed to mitigating um, unethical behavior or it contributed to. And I think from there, you know, ethical leadership, it, if you find some commonalities there on, on those, it, it goes back to that first thing I talked about, which is uh, leadership selection and the better we can identify strong ethical leaders for positions inside the basic training environment, possibly the less uh, an unethical behavior we'll have. Sergeant Major Jackson, do you currently see leadership being a significant factor in some of the drill sergeant misconduct that's taking place? And what do you have to say about Sergeant Major Thais's recommendations for a uh, solution? First question about leadership. Yes, they absolutely have a huge part to play especially when it comes to i mean tradoc standard is the top three needs to be at all training events right that's man mandated mandatory which then alludes to presence anytime you have leadership presence that is involved with training and what's going on inside an organization you're probably going to do okay <laughs> You know, and what we've seen is when units do not have those systems in place, you find drill sergeants acting on their own accord. And this is what we get into with some major theists is saying, you know, they, they're ethical. Um, I would like to say that shield is, you know, is let down and they make these uh, these these judgments, these decisions that cost them their careers. Um, leadership has to do better. That's always that's always the solution. Leadership has to do better. We all got to do better with being present. And then inside that, how are we assessing and evaluating our people? I think when you have those systems in place where you're always under evaluation, you're always being assessed, and leadership is always present, you can get you can get upstream of the problem. Um, the solutions that Sarmage Theus is saying about this, uh, kind of like the SMAP and trying to assess drill sergeants, I think that would be a challenge. And this is this is why I say that, Sarmage Theus, right? Of course, we know how selection goes at HRC, right? Everyone gets a mission in the branch, and you're looking to fill these missions every month. And 
you're you're hoping to get what you can and through all the background screening so a lot of times you're getting the best available uh, that's probably the best way i could say that professionally we're getting the best available that goes into the pool to be drill sergeants now back in the day remember they used for commands and now i'm talking about down in commands when a soldier gets that that assignment it used to be the commander had to do a screening and a bh screening right to see if the soldier was um uh, in, in good standing to be a drill sergeant well what we found was a lot of those screenings units were using that to their benefit and not sending people to school here's another data point that ties to that F, by fyi i should graduate uh, 2800 drill sergeants throughput 2800 Last FYI, I graduated 1,700, right? Because of deletions, deferments, and no-shows of drill sergeants. So that's a dynamic that we have. People not wanting to be drill sergeants, not wanting to come to school. And then our formations aren't doing us any good either by the deletions, deferments, and no-shows. So we have several dynamics. And how do we get ahead of that? It comes back again. Leadership's got to do better. We got to also... How do we highlight being a drill sergeant? How do we become ambassadors every day in our formation as sergeants majors, as officers to say, being a drill sergeant is a great thing. Being a drill sergeant is a highlight of your career. Being a drill sergeant is awesome. I think we got to do more of that too. We got to sell uh, the greatness of being a drill sergeant. Um, but I think having an assessment on top of an assessment kind of, which is the branch, I think will be a challenge for the Army because um, uh, Sergeant Major Theus, we're barely meeting what we need already with drill sergeants. So there's no one fit all answer to that question because we got to get people to want to be drill sergeants first. <laughs> Over. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Sergeant Jackson. I, and, and yeah, I acknowledge all those challenges and, and the the practicality of of implementing something that looks like SMAP in the basic training world would uh, would, would definitely be uh, a challenge, or I'm sorry, the drill sergeant would be would be a challenge. When we talk about the SMAP and BCAP, you know, how how effective are those programs? I, I haven't seen you know the measures of effectiveness for the, those programs and how well they're doing at eliminating, you know, that counterproductive leadership within in, in senior positions in the Army. Uh, so I, I think that that would, you know, step one right there is determining how effective those those programs are in identifying it and removing it. And then if there's any any modification or anything that can come out of those programs that could be applied to the drill sergeant program in a in a way that uh, doesn't hinder, uh, you know, the recruitment problem that you're having. Right. And I'll jump uh, one last comment on this map, right? I sat on the last two boards for the last two years. And I will tell you all on the line, the biggest problem, and I think I can say this because I'm not talking about any candidates or any anybody that was on the panel. The issue is the field doesn't provide feedback. So the majority of files that you look at has no feedback. So I would also make me wonder, we can't get feedback on command sergeants majors that are in battalion positions competing for brigade positions. I, will, I, I would beg to differ that that probably would not happen for 
our soldiers getting feedback on, is this NCO the right person for a drill sergeant? Like, I mean, we can't even do it right for our sergeants majors. Uh, I know I'm ranting a little bit, but it's a fact. Uh, it's hard to assess a sergeant major on a blind panel with four questions when I'm looking at a packet and I got no feedback from the command. So yeah. just wanted to say that in the open. Part of the solutions and a lot of these things that Sergeant Major mentioned that um, that are challenges is like, yeah, like these these are going to be tough things to implement. But us talking about it is what's important. Us um, having a vision of a premier academy and a premier uh, drill sergeant force that 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 is uh, extremely ethical that that follows standards, good discipline. You know, the only way we get there is by discussing this. Finding the problems, discussing the solutions, you know, implementing small changes um, over and over time, you know, yeah. If, if these these new programs that the army is, is trying to implement, like the SMAP, uh, if they do become effective, I don't see why it couldn't be applied to other other places um, where we need leaders to be very sound. We need sound leaderships because it has repercussions throughout the army. So I just, I just wanted to throw that out that I think it's us talking about this and, and Sergeant Major Jackson and Sergeant Major Thais talk, talking about this to their soldiers and to the future drill sergeants is going to be very important to, to kind of get this thing to where we want it, the vision where we want this, this, this to go. Um, I think you had another question. So I wanted to start by saying, I, I, I was listening to an answer that you gave earlier and you were talking about Essentially, you were talking about work-life balance. You're talking about the stressors that a drill sergeant has, the dynamics of their relationship at home, and what they need to be at work to be successful, which is 15, 16 hours a day, being on all the time, leading from the front, and being an expert, right? Right. And then you told me a little later that the number one problem that you have is not having enough people to be drill sergeants which answered my question of how do we get after work-life balance, which my answer would have been more drill sergeants. But you, you're saying that we can't have more because they don't want to come. And then I was thinking, well, what if I tell you the reason why, if I got orders tomorrow, why I'd be hesitant, and then see how we can fix that. So let's say I got drill sergeant orders tomorrow, and I'm a staff sergeant, and I have a family, a wife and daughter. The number one thing in my mind would be, I don't want to spend 16 hours a day at work yelling at privates and then going home for five hours. I mean, that is not enticing. So how do we fix that so that pe more people will want to go? Right. That's, that's really good um, that you framed it that way. Cause that is, that is the site picture. Um, and what my response to folks as I'm out in the field is that, um, Having a, being a drill sergeant is definitely uh, the top tier broadening assignment. Promotion rates are very high for our drill sergeants. Um, it is a rewarding um, opportunity um, for a drill sergeant. Now, those are all the wave top responses. And I also do not, you know, leave out that being a drill sergeant is going to be a tough assignment. I, I make sure I lay that out very clear to our drill sergeant. Being a drill sergeant is not going to be an easy tour for your two or three years. And I absolutely share that there are manning challenges. So all I can do is the ambassador of the Army 
Let's try to get the most drill sergeants that I can. And I will tell you, and and the, the, what has happened since October, we've had out of uh, out of six classes, four of them have been max fields. So my message and my sit reps and my quarterly uh, defender newsletters, with the support, of course, with Tradoc, we have helped put some pressure on the field. So I have seen 406 classes since the FYI of full fields of 120 candidates per class. So I think in time, we will get better, sir, because of what we're doing is messaging. And we can't be asleep at the wheel, right? There's, there's leaders pounding the sand to sell being a drill sergeant is a good thing. And like I said, I we've gotten better, have some full fills. I have another I can pick up today. I'm projected to pick up 135. I can only hold 120, but that's a good problem to have. So uh, things are, I think, turning in, in a better direction. But you got to know where we were because that's important for you are. And I think it's important for us to also know, hey, where we're trending towards. And we're tr- trending towards good. We, we recently had a conversation about um, NCO's role in multi-domain operations. And kind of what we discussed about was that uh, NCOs in every MOS need to be experts in basic soldier skills. And so I would say that there's no better place to get a, become an expert at basic soldier skills than going to drill sergeant school. And so I think when we say you know, certain MOSs, you know, aviation field doesn't have time to, to conduct training on, on basic soldier skills or reinforce those those 20 and 30 level skill sets. Um, you know, by having, sending a soldier um, to drill sergeant school to learn these skills and then getting that drill sergeant back out to the force, I can, I think when we're looking at it strategically in, in MDO operations and how do we get better at, at these basic soldier skills, I think... That's a big selling point, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. Just having gone through, and I would say this is more when I went through the drill sergeant certification at at the brigade level down at at Fort Sill. Uh, Coming out of that certification process as a senior um, sergeant first class, I had never felt more confident on those those 10-level skills than I did coming out of that. And I found my time extremely beneficial on the trail, just getting back to basic soldiering skills. And um, I found my time there very rewarding. Yeah. So so for the closing comment question that I had was, um, what would you say to NCOs out there either looking to become drill sergeants or referring um, people to become soldiers? I would say that, you know, it's it was one of the most challenging assignments that I had as a as an NCO and also the most rewarding, um, my, the coming out of being a drill sergeant, I basically, um, rejuvenated my career and wanted me to continue to serve. It's extremely rewarding. Um, and as it being challenged, that shouldn't be something that scares, you know, an NCO away from wanting to do it. If anything, you know, the challenge of that job, um, is what drives a lot of individuals to be better. And uh, so I would say, you know, embrace the challenge, um, serve as a drill sergeant successfully and and take what you've carried out of that environment to 
back to the regular army to to make better soldiers and better leaders. Sorry, Major Jackson, do you have anything to add? My only add is um, we need drill sergeants. Um, we need drill sergeants to train our our, our civilians uh, to be soldiers, um, to be combat ready soldiers. Our drill sergeants are the center of gravity for our army, and they absolutely have a have a purpose and need, and their job is is a non fail. And at the end of the day, it is one of the most rewarding jobs that any non-commissioned officer could have for our army. And as I, as the commandant, uh, I'm going to do my best every day to train the best capable and agile drill sergeants for our army. Thank you to our sergeants major for joining us, and a thank you to our audience. Remember to put your knowledge to the page, submit articles, and get published with the NCO Journal. Don't forget to check out our webpage and follow us on social media. We'll catch you next time on the NCO Journal Podcast.